Hello, everyone, and welcome to Third Eye with Lorelai. I'm your host, Lorelai, where we talk all things metaphysics. Have you ever felt? Are you listening? Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Third Eye with Lorelai. Thanks again for coming back and joining me for more metaphysical information and awesomeness. I appreciate you greatly. And it's been a great week, I think. I think it's been a lot better. I feel like some of the heaviness is maybe lifting. This is just for me. Maybe it's not so much for you guys. Hopefully it's been good for you, but I feel like it's been a little bit better. We'll see how the rest of the week goes. <laughs> Anyway, let's just dive in. I'm ready. I I did some really cool research this week. I can't wait to tell you guys all about it. And so let's start out with the crystals. So I chose Jasper and Fuchsite for you guys this week. So let's hear from Karen Frazier and from her Crystals for Beginners book and what she says about Jasper. And she says, there are multiple opaque colors and varieties of Jasper which is an aggregate of quartz or chalcedony and other minerals. Different varieties have varying properties. In general, however, Jasper is a manifestation stone that absorbs excess energies to help with energetic balance. It originates all over the world, so I imagine it's not super rare and you can probably find it at any crystal shop. It comes in natural tumbled, polished, carved and cut shapes. It absorbs energy. It comes in a a wide variety of colors, so which means that it's gonna associate with pretty much all of the chakras, or most of them anyway. And it comes in colors of black, blue, brown, green, orange, red, and yellow. Red or black is for the root, orange for the sacral, yellow or brown for the solar plexus, the green for the heart, blue for the throat or third eye. And you want to place it on any of the corresponding chakras as jewelry or in your pocket. It helps with manifestation, balancing energies of excess like addiction, obsessive compulsive behavior. It's great for grounding and stability. Jasper works well with all other Jaspers and black tourmaline. And for a great usage tip, you want to hold after meditation and visualize roots going into the earth from your feet to help ground you. So that's what Karen Frazier has to say. So let's talk about what Judy Hall has to say from her Crystal Bible book. She says that it also comes in red, brown, yellow, green, blue, and purple. Its appearance is generally opaque, patterned, often water-worn, or small and tumbled. It is very common and it's sourced worldwide. So again, you can probably find it anywhere that you're at. Jasper is known as the Supreme Nurturer. It sustains and supports during times of stress and brings tranquility and wholeness. Used in healing, it unifies all aspects of your life. Jasper reminds people to help each other. Jasper aligns the chakras and can be used in chakra layouts. Each color is appropriate to a specific chakra. This stone facilitates shamanic journeys and dream recall. It provides protection and grounds energies and the body. 
It absorbs negative energy and cleanses and aligns the chakras and the aura. Jasper balances yin and yang and aligns the physical, emotional, and mental bodies with the etheric realm. It clears electromagnetic and environmental pollution, including radiation, and aids dowsing. Okay, so let's talk about what dowsing is. So I looked this up on learnreligions.com forward slash what is dowsing. And it basically says that you use these types of rods that you hold in either hand. They're called either L rods, a Y rods, a pendulum, or a bobber. I can post these on my Facebook page. That way you guys can have an understanding of what that looks like. Anyhow, you ask these rods yes or no questions and you generally get the answer to the questions. You have to be pretty grounded. You have to have a good amount of concentration, intuitive listening. So basically you ask these questions and the rods will cross or uncross for yes or no to the question that you have. So these aren't particularly good for very, if you need more definition or, you know, that sort of thing. It has to be like an either or answer. So anyway, that's the rough, the quick and dirty of dowsing. So what Learn Religion says is dowsing is a form of divination that is conducted with the aid of a divining tool. Dowsing tools come in a variety of sizes and shapes. The most common are L rods, Y rods, and pendulums or bobbers. Any object hung from a piece of string is a pendulum and an old wire coat hanger can be cut and bent into an L rod. Learning how to douse does take practice. Important skills for successful dowsing is concentration, intention, grounding, and intuitive listening. So good questions that you could ask is, would you want to buy or sell something, move or stay, quit or not, ask for a promotion or not, college or tech school, spending savings on a vacation or home improvement, like either or types of questions like that. You can look up how to do this a little bit more in depth by going to this website. I think that it's a really good one. It's just kind of a real quick and easy way of finding out how to do this. And yeah, so that's that's dowsing anyway. So you can use Jasper as an aid for dowsing. Psychologically, Jasper imparts determination to all pursuits. It brings the courage to get to grips with problems assertively and encourages honesty with yourself. It supports during necessary conflict. Mentally, Jasper aids quick thinking and promotes organizational abilities and seeing projects through. It stimulates the imagination and transforms ideas into action. Physically, Jasper prolongs sexual pleasure. It supports during prolonged illness or hospitalization and re-energizes the body. For healing, Jasper supports the circulatory, digestive, and sexual organs. It balances the mineral content of the body. It is particularly useful as a gem elixir because it does not overstimulate the body. To position appropriately, you want it in contact with the skin. Specific placements are shown under each color. So use for long periods of time as Jasper works slowly. Place a large piece of decorative brown Jasper in a room to absorb negative energy. In addition to the generic attributes, the following colors have additional properties. Blue Jasper connects you to the spiritual world. It stimulates the throat chakra, balances yin and yang energy, and stabilizes the aura. This stone sustains energy during a fast, heals degenerative diseases, and balances mineral deficiency. You want to position it on the navel and heart chakras for astral travel. 
You hearing that for any whoever? <laughs> she talked to me recently about astral travel, so I'm hoping that may pique her interest with blue jasper and astral travel. So moving on. Brown jasper. Brown jasper is connected to the earth and encourages ecological awareness. As a result, it brings stability and balance. It is particularly useful for alleviating geopathic and environmental stress. It facilitates deep meditation, centering, and regression to past lives, revealing karmic causes. This stone improves night vision, encourages astral travel, and stimulates the earth chakra. It boosts the immune system, clears pollutants and toxins from the body, and stimulates the cleansing organs. It heals the skin. Brown jasper strengthens the resolve to give up smoking. For appropriate position, you want to put it on the forehead. So maybe I changed my mind. Maybe brown jasper is really good for you, for any whoever. <laughs> Not for the smoking bit, but you know, for the rest of it. It seemed pretty clear to me anyway. Green jasper heals and releases dis-ease and obsession. It balances out parts of your life that have become all important to the detriment of others. This stone stimulates the heart chakra. Green jasper treats skin disorders and dispels bloating. It heals ailments of the upper torso, the digestive tract, and the purifying organs. It reduces toxicity and inflammation. Purple jasper stimulates the crown chakra. It eliminates contradictions. So you want to place it right on the top of your head. Red jasper, including, oof, let me see how I just say this, brecciated, B-R-E-C-C-I-A-T-E-D, brecciated jasper. I hope that that's right. Please correct me if I'm wrong on that one. <laughs> so red jasper is gently stimulating. It grounds energy and rectifies unjust situations. Red jasper brings problems to light before they become too big and provides insights to the most difficult situations. It makes an excellent worry bead, calming the emotions when played with. Placed under the pillow, it helps dream recall. Red Jasper stimulates the base chakras and assists rebirthing. It cleans and stabilizes the aura and strengthens your boundaries. This is a stone of health, strengthening and detoxifying the circulatory system, the blood and liver. It dissolves blockages in the liver or bile ducts. To position appropriately, you want it at the base chakra or as appropriate. Yellow Jasper. Yellow Jasper protects during spiritual work and physical travel. It channels positive energy, making you feel physically better and energizes the endocrine system. Yellow Jasper stimulates the solar plexus chakra. It releases toxins and heals digestion and the stomach. To position appropriately, you place on your forehead, chest, throat, wrist, or place over pain until it eases. I think I need some of this. I'm just saying, I think that would be a really good one for me. I always have an issue with my solar plexus, so I think I'm gonna be getting myself some yellow jasper. Myself. Oh boy. Okay, moving on. Black jasper is a useful scrying stone. It takes you deep into an altered state of consciousness and brings prophetic dreams and visions. Oh, so this one actually, Mukai, oh, I don't know how to say it. It looks like Mukayit, Mukayit. It's an Australian type of Jasper. I actually spoke with my friend Robin that wanted me to talk about this. So, ooh, Robin, pay attention. This one's good. This is one you were looking at. So this Australian Jasper or Mukayit, I'm not sure how to say it 
provides a useful balance between inner and outer experiences. It imparts both a desire for new experiences and a deep calm with which to face them. Flexible Mukayat encourages versatility. It points out all possibilities and assists in choosing the right one. Mukayat is a physically stabilizing stone that fortifies the immune system, heals wounds, and purifies the blood. Picture Jasper. Picture Jasper is said to be the earth mother speaking to her children. It contains a message from the past within its pictures for those who can't read it. It brings to the surface hidden feelings of guilt, envy, hatred, and love, and thoughts that are normally pushed aside, whether from the present or past lives. Once the repression is released, they are seen as lessons along the way. This stone instills a sense of proportion and harmony. Picture Jasper brings comfort and alleviates fear. It stimulates the immune system and cleanses the kidneys. And then there's Orbicular Jasper. Orbicular Jasper supports service, assists in accepting responsibility and instilling patience. Its circular markings resonate with circular breathing, which it facilitates. It eliminates the toxins that cause unpleasant body odor. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Royal Plume Jasper opens the crown chakra and aligns the spiritual energies to personal purpose, bringing status and power. This stone eliminates contradictions and supports preserving one's dignity. It brings emotional and mental stability. And then more about brecciated jasper, jasper veined with hematite. This is an excellent aid to keeping your feet on the ground and attaining emotional stability. It draws excess energy away from the head, promoting mental clarity. Tiger iron. Tiger iron is a combination of jasper, hematite, and tiger's eye. It promotes vitality and helps in passing through change, pointing to a place of refuge when danger threatens. It is extremely helpful for people who are deeply exhausted at any level, especially those suffering from emotional or mental burnout or family stress. It promotes change by opening a space to complete what is needed and then supplying the energy necessary for action. Tiger iron solutions are usually pragmatic and simple. Tiger iron is a creative and artistic stone that brings out inherent talents. Tiger iron works on the blood, balancing the red white cell count, eliminates toxins, and heals the hips, lower limbs, and feet, strengthening muscles. It aids assimilation of B vitamins and produces natural steroids. Keep tiger iron in contact with the skin. Now let's talk about fuchsite. And let's see what Karen Fraser has to say about fuchsite. And that is on page 89 of that book, so let me turn to that page. Fuchsite is a sparkling green silicate mineral embedded with mica. The stone is protective. Often, you will find fuchsite embedded with ruby. Fuchsite, with or without ruby, is a classic healer stone that can help with physical, energetic, and emotional healing. It originates in Brazil, India, and Russia. It comes in natural, tumbled, and polished shapes, and it absorbs energy. It comes in green. It associates with the heart chakra. For appropriate placement, you want it on the heart chakra. If embedded with ruby, you want it on the root chakra and the heart chakra as a necklace or a bracelet. It helps with emotional, physical, spiritual healing, renewal, rejuvenation, balance, prosperity, 
love, and it intensifies energies of other crystals. It works well with ruby. Fuchsia is a soft mineral that easily gets dings in it, so store it away from other crystals. So that's what Karen Fraser has to say about fuchsite. So let's talk about what Miss Judy Hall has to say about fuchsite from the Crystal Bible. So fuchsite, also known as green muscovite, is usually just comes in green. It's plate-like and layered. It's a form of mica and it comes in all sizes. It is available from specialist stores and it's sourced out of Brazil. So I imagine it might be just a little bit more expensive just because it's only coming from one area and you gotta go to a real special store in order to find it. So Fuchsite accesses knowledge with great practical value. It can channel information regarding herbal treatments and holistic remedies. It suggests the most holistic action to take and receives guidance on health matters and well-being. Fuchsite helps you to understand your interaction with other people and relates to basic concerns about life. Psychologically, Fuchsite deals with issues of servitude from past or present lives. It reverses a tendency towards martyrdom. It is excellent for those who instantly fall into savior or rescuer mode, whether it be to save one person or a group and who then quickly become victims. It shows how to be of service without becoming embroiled in power struggles or false humility. Many people who serve do so out of a feeling of not being good enough, and Fuchsite teaches true self-worth. Fuchsite shows you how to do only what is appropriate and necessary for someone else's soul growth and assists you to stand by placidly while they learn their own lessons. It combines unconditional love with the tough love that says no more. It is useful for combating a situation in which you appear to be helping and yet are actually gaining great psychological satisfaction from keeping the other person dependent. Fuchsite releases both souls to their own unique pathway. It is particularly helpful for the identified patient within a family or group situation on whom dis-ease and tension is projected. The identified patient becomes ill or addicted on behalf of the family. When they want to become well, the family often puts pressure on the patient to remain ill or dependent. Fuchsite gives the identified patient the strength to find wellness and to withdraw from the family conflict. Fuchsite overcomes codependency and emotional blackmail. It imparts resilience after trauma or emotional tension. Man, that's a very specific thing for fuchsite to, to heal. I always wonder in some cases whenever I read these, how do people figure that out? Like that's that's so crazy and, and amazing, truly amazing. But like, man, I wonder what how many people came together to figure that out. Like <laughs> this person is being, you know, <laughs> is ill and they're the patient in this family dynamic and this stone helps with them finding their own dependence and not being codependent or emotionally blackmailed man that's anyway uh, let's let's move on with the healing part of fuchsite so fuchsite amplifies the energy of crystals and facilitates their transfer it moves energy to the lowest point redressing the balance it releases blockages caused by excess energy 
shifting the energy into positive channels. It balances the red and white blood cell ratio, treats carpal tunnel syndrome and repetitive strain injury, and realigns the spine. Fuchsite increases flexibility in the musculoskeletal system. To position correctly, you want to place it as appropriate or hold during meditation. Anyway, so that's pretty much it for both Jasper and Fuchsite. So let's talk about the quotes of the week, shall we? So the first quote I have is, the purpose of relationship is not to have another who might complete you, but to have another with whom you might share your completeness. And that's by Neil Donald Walsh. And then the next one I have is, your vision will become clear only when you can look into your own heart. Who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakes. And that's by Carl Jung. Okay, so let's talk about the topic of the week, shall we? So this week I chose shadow work and the dark night of the soul. Now I know that sounds really heavy, but it's actually super important for this type of work that we're doing, right? It's in essence a way for you to look at some of the darker parts of yourself and learn how to deal with it, right? Learning how to cope with it, learning how to bring that out, right? If you read some of my Facebook posts, you may remember one about spiritual awakening and how it seems like this really super zen and joyful experience, which for some it can be, but for most it's a massive upheaval. I'm sure some of you have had conversations with people before where both of you feel very strongly about opposing beliefs and opinions, right? And you both dig your heels in. Imagine, if you will, an awakening is the ground that you've dug your heels into, and instead of being solid ground, it becomes quicksand. And you begin to sift through all of what you thought you knew or understood to be real only to find that it's all changed now. And that process for a lot of people is terrifying, but ultimately life-changing for the absolute good. And in a sense, shadow work is very much like this. The one thing that I looked up that I thought was really, really awesome, and I, I looked up this gentleman's blog and he writes this blog called unstoppablerise.com and it's written by a man named sim campbell he is awesome i only needed just his blog to talk about this because it answered all the questions that i have and hopefully it'll answer some of the questions that you may have about shadow work and how to rapidly transcend to your greatest self that's the name of his article and I thought this was amazing. So if you get a chance, go to his blog and check it out. It's really great information. Such an awesome light worker, this guy. So anyhow, let's talk about it. So this is what he says. We live in a world of duality, here and there, hot and cold, yin and yang, light and dark, all opposites. Because of this duality, there are two sides to everything with a spectrum in between. One of the most important types of duality in our world has to do with personality, namely our shadow selves, the dark side of our personality. What is the shadow self? What if I told you that everything you think to be true about yourself is either wrong or terribly misinformed? 
I want you to think of a time when you flew off the handle at someone for no real justifiable reason. Also think of a time when you did something that was out of character for you. You considered those anomalies, didn't you? Something that was a blip in the radar. Well, your shadow self was in control. Our shadow selves comprise the aspects of our personality that aren't easily digestible in a polite company. Envy, jealousy, rage, lust, desire for power, anything that we don't want to admit as belonging to us, we stuff in the shadow self. The truth is, no matter what anyone says, everyone has a dark side to their personality. When the shadow self is kept hidden in the background, suppressed, and not fully integrated, it pops up in inconvenient moments. This is why we do shadow work. Shadow work also prevents things like these from happening. These are social anxiety, incredible deviant sexual behavior, limiting beliefs, uncontrollable anger, arrogance and haughtiness, problems getting along with people, and neuroticism. It's clear that when the shadow self isn't given a productive outlet, it can get you into trouble. In order to experience who you truly are and what your entire personality contains, you must do shadow work, an exploration into your unconscious mind. But first, why does this shadow self exist in the first place? So the origin of the shadow self and Carl Jung's theory. Carl Jung was a Swiss psychoanalyst who wanted to answer to the question, why do seemingly good people do obviously bad things? Jung finally devised an answer in the formulation of the shadow self, the dark side, the side that's hidden from conscious awareness and the side that's metaphorically dark. Jung's model of the shadow arises from the human subconscious or unconscious. Everyone carries a shadow and the less it is embodied in the individual's conscious life, the blacker and denser it is. If an inferiority is conscious, one always has a chance to correct it. Furthermore, it is constantly in contact with other interests, so that it is continually subjected to modifications. But if it is repressed and isolated from consciousness, it never gets corrected. And that was from Carl Jung's Psychology and Religion. In childhood, we are socialized to behave a certain way, to follow a certain set of rules. These rules allow us to quote unquote fit in with society and operate as productive citizens. Some of these rules are actually good because they allow a society to function for many people to enjoy a good standard of living and lead reasonable lives. However, these rules also pose a problem. They create a great deal of personal and collective repression. Repression creates what is called cognitive dissonance. In the field of psychology, cognitive dissonance is the mental discomfort or psychological stress experienced by a person who simultaneously holds two or more contradictory beliefs, ideas, or values. Cognitive dissonance is the disconnect between who we think we are and who we actually are. On the societal level, cognitive dissonance is responsible for a large amount of insanity in our world. On the individual level, it's responsible for failure to connect with other human beings and create harmonious relationships. Cognitive dissonance is a very uncomfortable feeling. So in order to downplay it, we use certain tricks, the use of projection, rationalization, and social mask. 
Ironically, the term personality is derived from the Greek word for mask or persona, reflecting our tendency to confuse the mask we wear with our true selves, even long after the threats of early childhood have passed. That's by Ian Morgan Crone in The Road Back to You as Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery. Shadow work is the process of diving into the unconscious mind and uncovering its tendencies and fixations in order to integrate them further into conscious awareness. A few of the unconscious mind's most beloved techniques to prevent cognitive dissonance and further shadow work inquiry is the use of projection, rationalization, and social masks. Projection is the act of ascribing character traits onto other people. Rationalization is a justification of certain acts or behaviors in certain situations. Social masks are the guises that we wear on a daily basis to fit in. All of these are ways in which we repress our shadow selves. Shadow work in the Enneagram. The Enneagram doesn't put you in a box. It shows you the box you're already in and how to get out of it. That's by Ian Morgan Crone. The Road Back to You, and Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery. A good tool that's worth mentioning at this point is the thing called the Enneagram. It's something that's gaining some popularity in mainstream consciousness, but it hasn't been embraced by a lot of people. To some, it is too esoteric, or just another personality test. To others, it is too non-compliant with their religion. However, that doesn't dismiss the fact that the Enneagram can be a good source of light to shine on the shadow. The Enneagram is a nine-pointed model representing the human psyche and its different egoic personalities. These personalities often become masks that we use to hide our true selves from the world because of some trauma, large or small, that happened to us in childhood. We then confuse these masks for our true selves and believe that's who we are in and out. Each personality aspects have a massive shadow that it uses to keep various life events at bay. Let's use this example. You're embarrassed in front of a group of people. They're all standing around and laughing at you. Each of these nine personalities will have a different instinctual reaction to the stimuli. Same stimuli, different result. The goal of Enneagram is to help you transcend these limited fixed reactions and access the higher level of life, light, and most of all, love. The Enneagram is a very complex thing, so I won't do it any justice in a mere blog post. If you're interested in this, I recommend the Sacred Enneagram and seeing how the system works. So here's a warning. (laughs) Shadow work is not intended to be a pretty and rosy picture of who you are and may be embracing your shadow and the dark night of the soul. Every so often a person may grow through a period of what is known as depression, but it is actually a dark night of the soul. A dark night of the soul is a period of absolute dread, hopelessness, angst, and self-loathing. You continuously question life and your role in it. You see many things as pointless. Everything becomes a bore. This is what Jung has to say about the dark night of the soul. Dark night of the soul sounds like a threatening and much to be avoided experience. Yet, perhaps, a quarter of the seekers on the road to higher consciousness will pass through the dark night. In fact, they may pass through several until they experience the profound joy of their true nature. There is no coming to consciousness without pain. 
People will do anything, no matter how absurd, to avoid facing their own soul. One becomes enlightened by making the darkness conscious. It's not an accident that you're feeling down. It's not an accident that you're going through an existential crisis. It's something you need to dig deep into and ask why it's happening. Shadow work and the masculine archetypes. No discussion of shadow work would be complete without a discussion on Jungian archetypes, especially as it relates to males. There are archetypes for the feminine as well, but for the sake of this discussion, this is how they relate to the masculine. Carl Jung wanted to understand why certain myths or patterns show up repeatedly in certain cultures. Jung came to the conclusion that humanity as a shared or collective unconscious that is derived from the ancestral memory of human beings. The world is a chaotic place, so different cultures across different times came up with different myths to put their world into context. For example, the zero to hero myth, where a boy becomes a man via a vision quest, or the myth of a mama's boy, and Oedipus syndrome, where different men view their mothers as a god of sorts. All of these archetypes have their distinct shadow that must be identified, assimilated into consciousness, and overcome in order for a boy to become a man, and for a man to become a whole human being. The shadow archetype of masculine and boyhood psychology have bipolar poles and can ensnare the ego within their grip. The active poles of the shadow are usually outwardly destructive and can affect others while the passive poles are usually self-destructive and create implosion within the psyche. A good model that discusses masculine archetypes comes from the book King, Warrior, Magician, and Lover by Robert L. Moore and Douglas Gillette. So, the repression of the shadow self. The biggest question becomes, what happens when the shadow self isn't allowed to express itself? As stated earlier, a person ends up with a numerous array of personality problems. These personality problems arise via the usage of denial through means of projection. The ego uses projection as a way to avoid connecting with the pain of the shadow self. Okay, so the middle path. Shadow work is the key to finding the middle ground. Shadow work is how you integrate the aspects of your unconscious psyche into your conscious experience and allow the positive aspects of the shadow self to express themselves. Positive aspects, you say? Yep. When properly used and channeled, the shadow self has traits that you can use to further your own personal development. Here are some of them. Creativity, intuition, problem solving, resilience, self-esteem, and greater physical health. The shadow self is the key to the ideal of the balanced man, one who acknowledges who he is fully and steps into it, accepting the good and the bad parts of his personality. This makes him a force and an asset to himself, his neighbors, his community, and his world as a whole. How to do shadow work and shadow work techniques. Shadow work is an inherently introspective endeavor. It is a quest you can only embark on alone. You can't bring your parents, you can't bring your friends, you can't bring your pets, it's only you. Psychotherapy uses shadow work to a large degree, but the therapist is the tool by which the person uses to do the shadow work. The work is only done by the person and only they can determine how far they can go. This frightens some people because many of us have been brought up to think diving into dark things is bad. The only bad part is when you leave your shadow self unexamined and don't do this work. Here's some ways to get started. 
The first one he says is silence is golden. Silence is part one of the initiation process into shadow work. We live in a world that encourages distraction and unconsciousness. Everywhere you turn, there's something around the corner to help you forget who you are and what you stand for. Shadow work removes this entirely from the picture. No cell phones, no TV, no internet, just you and yourself. The second thing is uncover the darkness. Once you sit in silence, certain things will start to rise to the surface. The average human mind is a mixture of hopes, dreams, worries, fears, and doubts. As you continue shadow work, all of these will come to the surface in a super messy mixture of congealed thoughts. You may find things that you haven't thought about in a while or memories you've repressed will start to emerge. This is normal. Some of these will probably be frightening. You'll end up feeling bad and want to stop. Don't do it. Just keep going. Sit with the emotions. As human beings, we communicate in two ways, primarily verbal and nonverbal. Knowing how to combine those two is at the core of social intelligence. Your emotions are the nonverbal part of you. They broadcast their way to others via your facial expressions and body language. And a lot of times, it's via your aura. So you remember how we would talk about walking into a room and feeling inherently bad or feeling like there's something going on, something feels gross. That is a nonverbal part of you. You're communicating with other people their conscious awareness, their collective. You're feeling all of it through their energy. So that's just my little input into it. Your emotions are constantly trying to tell you something. If you have a gut feeling about something or someone, chances are it's usually right. This is called intuition. That's right, guys. Your intuition. (laughs) When you do shadow work, you will feel strong emotions. So what are you avoiding? This is number four. Your emotions are a signal to you. What do they tell you? Do you feel social anxiety because you have a chemical imbalance or because you're avoiding social situations? Do you procrastinate because you're so busy or because you're afraid of doing the work of digging in and accomplishing the goal? Why do you smoke? Is it because you're trying to catch a buzz or is it because your life seems meaningless and that's the only thing you can obtain pleasure from? What about internet addiction? Are you seriously trying to uncover new information or are you just using it as a way to avoid doing something like shadow work? The fifth thing is write it out. The best way to do shadow work is to write them out as your emotions and thoughts come out as you're experiencing them. The stream of consciousness writing of shadow work gives you an unfiltered window into yourself. In some circles, this is known as the automatic writing. When you finish writing, you can either toss out the sheet of paper you were writing on or keep it for future reference. If you do this later, I would suggest getting a journal or some type of record-keeping book. See a therapist. As stated earlier, shadow work is a key component of psychotherapy. Many therapists are trained in some aspects of shadow work and are familiar with Carl Jung's shadow work theory and working with the shadow self. A therapist is just an objective third party to help you get beyond the rationalization mechanisms of your subconscious mind and dig deep into your problems so you can uproot them and plant new seeds. I also wanted to add a little bit to the write it out portion. So oftentimes, if you have something in shadow that comes up that you want to release, you can accept something and also release it too. So if it's something that you're like, this isn't something that I'm going to hold on to anymore. One thing that I've, I think I've suggested this in the past before, if you write it out, 
and you want to let it go, a really powerful way of doing that is burning it. So, you know, if you have like a barbecue or some sort of fire safe container and you're outside and it's not on a no burn day, for those of us in areas that have that, like California, you want to do that in a <laughs> safe, confined, you know, receptacle and burn it and put that to the earth, to the divine, give it away, give it back and let it go. So the next thing is shadow work is all on you. This seems like a really great idea, but you have to actually do it. Things start to get in the way and a certain period of time passes and you forget all about this concept. This is another cloaking mechanism that the shadow self and unconscious mind uses to disguise itself from view. Shadow work requires constant vigilance and conscious awareness to do. Many people, especially in this society, will never do it. But if you do, you will reap enormous benefits. It will take you to the next level. That's the goal of self-improvement after all. And shadow work is just another tool in the toolbox. So that is pretty much the blog that Sim Campbell has wrote. And a few things aside, he's given a couple examples that I figured I could, you know, leave out. But this is such an amazing blog post. It basically covers everything that we want to talk about with shadow work and the dark night of the soul. It's not easy work, but nothing is easy with this type of work and, and light working and finding out who you are. You have to also delve into the parts that are messy, that aren't comfortable. And I think this time period that we're experiencing is a great time to really start to dig underneath the facade, dig underneath those social masks that you may have and identify what those are. And especially since everything is moving and changing right now, now's the time to do it because it's happening as a society in general. Everything is changing and we're really digging in deep into those things that are just ugly and messy and that we need to weed out and finally make some positive change. So let's do that with ourselves. Let's dig into what parts of ourselves really need to be seen, to be understood. And even if it scares you, even if it's something that you're like, I don't want to look at that. That's not something that I want to really face right now. This isn't good. It's going to happen at some point, especially if you're going to be doing light work. If you're an empath, you have to find that balance. And how you find that balance is by not only facing the lighter, more joyful, wonderful things that are you, but also the darker parts that are also you that you got to face and you got to embrace it. And that is really, really challenging. But in the end, you will be a more whole person. And that is the challenge and the beauty of it. So at any rate, let's go ahead and have a meditation. That is if you want to. If you want to be done for the day, that's fine. It's already kind of a long podcast today, but it's such a good one. I was really excited to talk about shadow work because it is truly the foundation of a lot of metaphysical work and finding balance. I can't tell you how many times I've talked about balance. I feel like almost every single episode I talk about balance in some way, shape, or form, but it is so important, right? To balance everything out, to find a way to learn how to have synchronicities in all levels and being able to take your dark and your light and work with it hand in hand and not just be one way or the other. So 
I wanted to do a meditation. And this meditation has a lot to do with connecting to the collective and sending out your loving energy to the collective. If this is something that you want to do today, I hope that you do because it is really great. And I think that the collective really needs some of that loving energy that you have in your heart. If not, then you can always come back to it. But at any rate, I'll stop here with the podcast. I hope that every single one of you had a beautiful week and I look forward to seeing you next week and talking at you and hopefully I get to see you at the meditation. But for now, I say love and light to every single one of you and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Find a comfortable seated position. Inhale a long deep breath. And exhale slowly. Again, inhale with every positive emotion in mind. And exhale all that is crowding your mind at this time. Let it dissipate with your breath. Imagine a white light that starts at the crown of your head. Notice as it pulses beautiful diamond white light. It is pure love. It is pure healing. It is home in this white 
light. Now, imagine that this white light covers the top of your head, permeating your crown, the place of knowing, the connection to the divine. It saturates all that you have known, all that you do know, and all that you will know. It purifies this knowing space, makes it clear and easy to communicate with God. This white light begins to travel down over the top of your head to your forehead, over your third eye, cleansing and opening your sight. It travels down further, down to your nose, your mouth, over your chin, and down to your neck, and the hollow of your throat. This being your center for communication, truth, and voice. Let it cleanse, purify, and open this profound place. The light travels down further to your chest, the home of your heart center, and love, compassion, and healing. Allow this light to saturate that sacred space, to heal and shine brighter than ever before, with more love than you thought possible. Now, let the light travel down past your chest to the top of your abdomen the place where your confidence resides, your infinite I am. Allow that light to make that space strong, glowing bright with power and potential. The light travels further to your place of wanting, your sacral plexus. Let that light dance within that space and open up the creativity and desire that resides in abundance there. May it ignite the fire that is your sensuality and your ability to manifest and create. The light travels once more to your ground space, the seat of your oneness with the earth, home, and hearth. 
feel that light anchor you to your home, that all your needs are being fulfilled by this diamond white light. You are now whole, complete, perfectly made, and joyful in this body. Now, imagine this white light that originated at your crown, a pillar of light that connects you to a golden current that flows above you and around the entire surface of the earth. For a moment, think of a loving and positive phrase or intention that you want to send out to this current. This phrase or intention is a part of this golden loving light that surrounds your earth home. When you are ready, send this phrase or intention out into the current. Stay here for as long as you like and send out as many loving intentions as you wish. When you are ready, imagine that white light disconnecting from that golden current. Allow that diamond white light to glow bright and completely envelop your body as you sit in peace. Stay here in this loving, positive space. Inhale deeply all that joy and peace. Exhale all that you wish to release. Inhale, letting your mind rest. Exhale into a space of grace.
If you find yourself interested in receiving an intuitive tarot reading, contact me at 3rdeyelorelei at gmail.com or you can message me on my Instagram at 3rd.eye.with.lorelei or on Facebook at Third Eye with Lorelei Podcast to set up a reading. I can do Zoom or we can meet in person as long as we are wearing those face masks and practicing social distancing just to be safe. As always, love and light to you all, and I look forward to reading you soon.